Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time of The Kindness Project, Japan, man-made structures, and we have part one of our interview with Andy from St. Francis Hospice. Welcome to The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl with the most selfish dog in the world. I mean, can't you see we're trying to do some work? And I'm joined by a man who looks great in fake makeup. What? Where's that from? I don't know. I was trying to make a reference to the whole photo booth thing and I just. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, if you, in case you don't know, um, Charlotte and I have just come back we from just, Japan. We took a, jo- we took a jolly jaunt. Is that what you'd call it? A jolly job. Uh, it was jo- it was jolly. I had a, I had an amazing time in Japan. Um, apart from the last two days where we were virtually tra- travelling all the time, and the only line that you seemed to remember was, "I just want to be at home now. I just want to be at home, and I get it. I just want to go now. Yeah, I know. I know. We were at Copenhagen Airport. I just want to go. We're at Heathrow Airport. I just want to go now. We're, yeah, we're at home already, Charlotte." I know, I know, but it just feels too long. And then the journey back did seem like a long, long time, didn't it? 11 and a half hours, and then another hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was long, it was long. But the trip was amazing. Mm-hmm. What was your favourite bit? Ooh, um, the tech and the flowers. The tech and the flowers? Yeah. What do you mean the flowers? <gasps> you know we've to all those, like, shrines and temples and places? You know we went all to say, oh yeah, don't worry about the shrines. Don't worry about the ancient history stretching back. They no, you know what? They were amazing. I I enjoyed the bamboo forest. That was really, really good. Um you, not not keen on the bamboo forest? Well like two pictures in that bamboo forest. Everywhere else I've got like twenty. Okay. And are we judging the validity of how good a place is by the amount of pictures you take? Yeah, because it's about how how many pictures it's worth you have taken. Oh fair enough. Okay, good. Well, so we've been to Japan, we came back, and your dog is still an annoying dog. I mean, it's part of the family, we love him, but as soon as we start to record the podcast, he seems to want to have a little bark. Have a yap at the window. A little yap at the window. Have a yap at the door. Yeah. Where's he going to be yap at next? Our faces. <laughs> um, I feel a bit out of practice, do you? It feels like we haven't recorded a podcast for weeks, and the reason being is because we haven't. <laughs> So this might be more shambolically nonsensical than usual. We're out of practice because this one is going up. When is it? A couple of days from now. Yeah, we 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 front loaded all recording all the other podcasts. Um, so we. Uh, oh, we've we, been putting this one off. We 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 need we need to get back at it and and, and get in front of it as again, really, don't we? But yeah. it's it's all good. But we've still got loads of amazing interviews to come up. Um, some interviews from uh, people who have got Netflix shows on kindness, people who help um, uh, a person a month, um, every single month, doing something good, and just some amazing dudes and dudesses. Is that a word? Dudettes. Dudettes. Um who do good stuff in the world that we want to share the story. So we're going to be doing a lot more of that. However, we can't we can't miss the most important part, other than the introductions of the introduction. Other than the introductions of the introduction, what's the most important part? <gasps> Question of the podcast. And 
the question of the podcast this week is... You didn't have the woo. Woo. The question of the podcast this week is, what's your most favourite man-made structure in the world? So, is it the pyramids? Is it... <clears throat> Uh, the Tower of London is it the Burj Khalifa is it the Shards is it your mum's house is it somewhere that that is really really close to you what is your my house is pretty decent yeah but it's not as good as like the Shard is it no it's like my favourite place in the world is it yeah so your favourite man man made structure in the world would be your house my favourite place in the world why would I go anywhere else yeah I know but you don't like turn up at your house and go wow that's amazing do you yeah I go, wow amazing that's home i take a break now fair enough apart from your house <laughs> and more specifically your bedroom um where's your yes, my bed is the most amazing man where... <laughs> where... i sleep in it i live out of it where is your favorite man-made structure what is your favorite man-made structure and why today I like um, over at the the Elizabeth Park, the the, red, the the tall red thingy. The orbit. Yeah, you go noom down. You go noom down. Yeah, you you zoom down it. Do you noom down it or do you zoom down it? You zoom down it. <laughs> What's a noom? <laughs> I noom down it. Um, I liked that. Uh, yeah, and I like the fact that they have installed a slide. I think they should install a slide on more more big buildings. Yeah. Like a slide down the shard would be amazing. Um, well, I, I can't think. I mean, I've been to. I mean, look, Japan had loads of really good ancient architecture, didn't it? Tokyo but, Sky Trip. That's not ancient. Uh, but I'm, I'm just naming some structures <laughs> now. Uh, yeah. The sky tree was decent. That um, transport transmission place with the giant. There was just a giant circle in the middle of the bu- at the top of the building, right there. Just like. Yeah, but but the the London London has got some amazing buildings as well. One of my favourites is the Gherkin, and I think they should name more buildings after foodstuffs. I'd like to see... They do it in London, though. <coughs> they just name their buildings after random objects, like the shards, <coughs> well, the, 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 the Gherkin, the cheese grater. I'd like to see the Orbit um, uh, in the Olympic Park renamed... The Slippy Slide. <laughs> the, the Slippy Slide's not a bad move, actually, but I, I think uh, they should rename it in tribute of the old cho- chocolate bar, the Curly Whirly. <laughs> Just call it the Curly Whirly. And I think we should go about... I still love good Curly Whirly. Do they still do Curly Whirlies? Do curly Whirlies. Yeah. I d- I've gone off Curly Whirlies a bit, but I like the words that together. Curly and Whirly. So that's amazing. So what we'd like to know, um, dear listeners, is what's your favourite man-made structure or construction in the world. What is it? always surprises me. What? Freddo's used to be 10p. I don't don't think you were born when Freddo's were 10p, were you? (laughs) What's what's the least you've ever paid for a Freddo? 20p. 20p? That's inflation, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. That is inflation. We might have some comments on the podcast on this, but did you... I asked you a question the other day. 30p now. 30p? Yeah. 
Oh, right, not buying Freddos anymore. What um, what was it? What thing has increased in price the most? And I said to you, I think it might be computer games, because when I was probably a bit younger than you, I used to go in to a shop and buy a game for ninety nine p, and now it's like sixty quid to buy a game. And I can't think of anything <coughs> that's gone up that much. Like 40,000 or something, isn't it? Yeah, so it was about 6,000%, wasn't it, we, we worked well, out? Brothers have gone up by about, by about 200%. I know, but that's not 6,000%, is it, darling? So is there, listeners, help us with this one, is there a product or a service, apart from my clients might say my fees, uh, that's gone up um, quite a lot of money? Um, don't know. What do you think? Probably. You did. You didn't do your research, did you? No. I was very tired. <laughs> the last I was like Twelve. I offered a cash incentive as well for you to do that, but you. I mean, I googled it and nothing came up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What was it? Life of a fifteen-year-old. What research you did? Did you do? I googled it. Nothing came up. I left it. <laughs> End of. <laughs> um. Can you remember where people can get in touch with us? Um, www.thekindnessproject.co.uk or ola at thekindnessproject.co.uk or ola kindness or you go into the search bar thing on Facebook or you just put the slash at the end and ola kindness. Yeah. Any H's in there? Any H's at all? You always hate it. All right. You don't pronounce it. All right. Okay. Ola. Oh, hola. Hola. Hola, hola, hola. Okay, we'll have it. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, you're more than welcome. Two questions we want answered this week. Number one, what's your favourite main main structure in the world? And number two, is there something that's gone up by more than 6,000% in the last 30 years? I'd like to know. So with that, should we get on with the show? Oh, yes. So now, Charlotte, we're going to do a little bit of kindness news. Now, we haven't, like the last couple of episodes, we've sort of not had kindness news. What? We've not had any kindness news. But now we're back, kindness news is coming back. And this, because you've done your research on this one, is going to be amazing. Would you like to start? Well, first of all, I want the jingle and then I want the addition. Kindness news. edition i like it i like it can we just have a little conversation about japan again and bishy bashy challenge i mean bishy bashy challenge is just the best game ever isn't it it is yeah it is i i just kind of want to get on with my news oh go on again you get on with your news i, I thought we were having a chat go on then this is a podcast they expect <laughs> things from us all right fair Father. enough fair enough question number three of the podcast do you love Bishy Bashy? If you don't, you're wrong. Um, uh, so there's no point in answering. No, it's true. They have a different opinion. There's going to be scorned. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I go as far as scorned. Scolded. Scorned. I don't like Bishy Bashy. Scorned. Right, go on. Give us your news. Um, I'm going to give you the news. Um, 
Me and A Dundee video game will teach players about empathy and kindness. Mm. We've been there. Yeah. Did we play that game? No. Wait, tell us about the game. Okay. <laughs> just, just like, mm. do, you, do you ever think this is why yeah. I picked this specific article? Go on then, tell me. Plaything created by Will Anderson and Niall? Neil? Tessia Lavigne. Hmm. Yeah. Will let gamers take on the role of both designer and player by creating their own characters. The Victorian Albert Museum, Dundee, had commissioned its first online video game, which was based on the concept of empathy. The museum called on designers to create a video game which explores the idea of self and character development ahead of its opening on the video game Design, Play, Distribute Exhibition in April, which will... Oh, that, that, was, that was last month. Okay, tell us more. Which will be moving up from the V&A in London, where it is currently on show. We need to get some of that in our lives. I want to go and see that. Soon, if it's being released to the exhibition next yeah. month, we'll have a look. The winning game plaything will be created by by animated filmmaker Will Anderson and game maker Neil Tissiella Vignier, both from the Scottish Highlands, who will be working together for the first time. Players will be be able to design their own animated character and interact with it with it in a variety of ways before it eventually fades away after a series of play dates, each lasting a few minutes. We're creating this feeling of empathy, Anderson says. I don't like violence in games, so this is really a, a game about kindness. It should slow us down and be meditative and thoughtful. Plaything will allow the user to be the designer and player in one, Anderson says. Gameplay begins with an array of block coloured shapes and strokes on the screen which players can pull together to create a character that springs to life joyfully. Anderson says they were keen to contrast the look of the characters which are made up of block colour shapes and jagged imagery with how soft, kind and caring we wanted the experience to be. The animator, who says he likes working with simple shapes and graphic imagery that is very stripped down, hopes the game will offer a lot of depth out of something very visually simple so that players will start to feel for the character they create and form an emotional bond with it. Once the character has been made, players will set to spend a series of days, each lasting a few minutes in the game, interacting with it in a range of ways. Everyone's character is different, Anderson says. When you first meet it, it might be a little nervous or it might be excitable. Interactions may include playing with your character by gifting it objects or shapes or protecting it from the elements such as weather. And as you're as you're googling it, um, I've had a look, and it is live at plaything dot v and a dundee dot org. Oh. And it's at the minute, it seems like a bunch of just weird shapes, but I think you can all oh know. I've just grab one and drag it around. That's the start of your character. Yeah, and I, I don't know how to put them all together. And I don't I think know. You put one in the middle. I put one in the middle, right? Pick one and put it in the middle. This this is an amazing podcast, isn't it? Oh, hello. Uh, and then just pick other shapes and put it around it. Ah, oh, right. In okay. terms of user experience, design, um, the cursor in the game changes to different objects, such as to a light. Oh, I'm giving it a sausage. When the character is sleeping, while various things will also happen depending on how gently or harshly the player moves the cursor. The game also features generative art, which is art created using code and algorithms which will transform and change when it is interacted with, leading to a variety of different outcomes. This will drive gr- game graphics in different directions. Anderson says oh, I've it legs and art. Making it's got a little face! ...appear and making stars twinkle. The game ends with the character fading away after a set number of playdates. Oh, no. behind short looping gif, a video clip, 
and the user's experience with it. Oh, right. I will play that later. But it does look like a very sweet game. Well, any other, any other news? One other article. But Go on I think you, you, you know what? I, I think, interestingly, video games are not known for kindness, are they? They're known for violence. Yeah. Because in drama and art, we do focus on the violence and tension and yeah. stuff like that. So, so games reflect that as well. But it's good to see that some games now are looking at um, portraying the world in a bit more of a positive light. So what's your other one? Okay. Manhattan school using virtual reality to combat bullying. Choose kindness. Upper East Side Manhattan, a private school in New York City, is on the cutting edge of efforts to combat bullying using the latest technology. Headsets and cell phones, apps developed so kids can play video games that are being used to help them choose kindness. The Buckley School on the Upper East Side, a group of fourth grade boys are on the front lines of the battle against bullying. As part of the diversity curriculum, they're learning how to have empathy and understand people who might be different from them. King and... Oh, okay. Buckley's Director of Technology, Julie King, said, King and teacher Willie Diminu... Is, I can't pronounce this funky cool surname. <laughs> I like the way you got angry at funky cool surnames. Stop having funky cool surnames, it's people. Not just, just call him, call him Alan or Dave. Willie. Willie. <laughs> call him a Willie. <laughs> no, that's his first name. His second name is Dominguez. Willie. Do- <laughs> Where's Willie? <laughs> Willie Dominguez. You know, as VR show kids how to cope with real life situations. The most powerful thing about using virtual reality for this is that it's an immersive experience. King said. The experience begins with an app called Cosbases, which Buckley stu- student. Misha Thomas explained, is an app you can get on your computer. You can look it up on Google or Safari. It's a virtual reality game that you can make stuff with. What's it called? Uh, Codespaces. Okay, I'll have a look. <laughs> After we've recorded the podcast. Thomas and classmates use it to create scenarios that help that play out in their headsets. It, what each boy sees is projected to the others, so the entire class gets to share a common experience, which is a big part of what makes VR so effective. To be able to put another person in their shoes to see what they saw, to begin to feel what they felt, that's how it becomes a more deep experience. Love it. Um, I really enjoyed those, particularly because I like good things happening to good people, and I like computer games, so it combines two of my two of my favourite things. Thank you, my darling. You're welcome. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't going to go anywhere until you said that. Thank you. So. This week's interview is um, one I absolutely loved. Um, it's by, uh, we interviewed a guy, I interviewed a guy called Andy. Now, Andy's a volunteer at um, uh, St. Francis Hospice based in Essex. Yeah. An amazing guy. Um, a really, really decent. Was you just about to drink my coffee there and then realised it was a coffee? Uh, I was about to drink coffee and then I realised you'd hate them sugars. All oh, right, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, should we talk about Andy? <laughs> seeing as he was generous enough to come on the podcast. So Andy is an amazing guy, um, fundraiser from for St Francis Hospice, and in this podcast, Andy shares his personal story, why he's so committed to helping St Francis Hospice, and um, 
generally we have a really good chin wag. Should we listen to the interview? Oh yes. Hi Andy, how are you? I'm absolutely fine. You know what, thanks for joining us today, really appreciate it. I'm, but I'm, I'm actually quite excited about having a chat with you. I think we're going to get on pretty well. I think it's going to be just great. <laughs> good stuff. So, um, uh, firstly, I know we're going to talk a lot about the whole space. I'm really uh, interested in doing that. But before we start that, tell me a little bit about you. Sure. Um, I'm 51 years old. Okay. I live in Romford, okay. which is, of course, very close to St Francis Hospice. I don't come from a fundraising background whatsoever. Okay. I was a printer for 26 years. Okay. Um, when, did you, when did you change? Uh, I was made redundant around about eight years ago from where we are now. Okay. So, but I'd been, uh, as I'll tell you as we go, I'd been in contact with the hospice before I was made redundant. Um, I'd become a supporter some years before. Yeah. The reason I really became connected with St Francis Hospice, I, as I said, I grew up in Collier Row yeah. in Romford. Um, I lived there before the hospice actually opened its doors. Uh, but it wasn't until you have a connection, Chris. Yeah. And what happened was I, 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 I lived locally, um, had lots of friends, and used to go on regular camping weekends with a, a family and really was part of their extended family. Okay. And we did this pretty much every weekend through the good summer months. And, and I grew up with this family. And it wasn't until my friend's mum got very sick, okay. very poorly, and that was really my first connection with the hospice and how the hospice came in yeah. and supported them as a family. Yeah. How um, was she? Sorry. She was, oh, I think she was only in her early 50s at okay. that point. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. which a lot is the misconception because a lot of people consider or think that hospice is really around the elderly, yeah. and that's not true at all. Yeah. We it's are, true. yeah, well, we go from the ages of 18 up. Okay. So we are an adult hospice, we're yeah. not, you know, but it's from the age of 18 up, so... And how beside that you're interested in the hospice, what do you love doing? Funny enough, it's really what brought me to the hospice. I have DJed for over 30 years. Okay, okay. So uh, when some nine, ten years ago, when I started doing my own events... Yeah. I wanted to do something for the hospice yeah, because of the care, that. yeah, because yeah, the care they gave to my friend's mum. Okay. So, but I was a printer then, yeah. and and what happened was around the time I was doing my event for the hospice, it looked like I was going to be made redundant in my working yeah. life. Yeah. Um, but I still went ahead, did my event, paid my donation, gotcha. and it was when I was working with the community fundraising team then that they said actually the hospice are putting together a very small team of people that will go out and talk to people about the work of the hospice. And they said, you would be ideal. Amazing. That was eight years ago, almost yeah, eight years ago. you're still there now. I'm still there now. All right, talk to me. We're, we're going to get on to the hospice, but talk to me about the DJ deck you've got. Is it a smoke machine? Is it light? What, uh, what are we looking at? What there's two schools at? of thought on this. I've, <laughs> I've, done, I've done many, many, many mobile DJ things over 30 years. Okay. Um, as I said, I'm 51, started that when I was 17 before okay. I was even driving. Yeah. So, yes, I've got all, but I also run my own events, Chris. Mm. So when you just said about smoke machines, it, there's, a, there's a big difference between doing someone's uh, anniversary party or birthday party to putting on a full yeah, event, gotcha. which gotcha. quite a few people attend. So yeah, then comes the smoke machines and the lasers yeah, and things like yeah, that. So yeah, yeah. And, and music. What's your, what kind of music? Really, my heart is in soul music. Okay, um, that's where it is. But in saying that, 
I, my father's still alive at 95, yeah. so I have his influences. I have two older brothers. Yeah. We all take something from someone. And what what influences, musical influences come from your dad? Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, it's a big band. Sinatra, Glenn Miller. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, gotcha. And he still plays all that now. Tell so. you what, I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm loving a bit of soul music at the minute. I love Spotify. Okay. So I've got a Spotify account. And the, the thing that I love about Spotify is it nudges me to listen to music I might not normally listen to. Okay. And there's an amazing playlist on there called Sweet Soul Sunday. Uh, and it's full of new soul songs. Right. Like brand new. And there's a guy called uh, Sam Henshaw, I don't know if you've heard of him. Okay. Um, who is like a guy from North London who sounds like he's from the deep south. Right. You know what I mean? He's got okay. an amazing voice. So that's my, you might, as a, as a as somebody who's into music more than me, you might listen to him and go, I'm not so keen, Chris, but... Uh, you, you know what, Chris, up? what you're saying about joining Spotify and yeah. it leading you to other things, it's a bit like going on YouTube for the evening. Yeah. You go to find something yeah. Yeah. and down the right hand side you, you could be oh, there for the next you could yeah. be there for the next three weeks <laughs> yeah. if you want it to be. So yeah. It's true. So you've talked a little bit about your involvement and how it start how you started your involvement with St Francis Hospice. Tell me a little bit about St Francis Hospice itself. Sure. Well this year we celebrate thirty five years of care in this community. Amazing. Um it's a very, very unique organisation. Um, it's a lot of people don't realise we're one of the largest adult hospices in the UK okay. because we cover Havering, Brentwood, Barking and Dagenham, Redbridge, and parts of West Essex as okay. well. Uh, Why is that? Is that just because of, of the way that hospices work? And the wonderful thing about hospices is they are not in competition with one another. Yeah. It's all about boundaries where you live, yeah. where your GP is situated as to what hospice you would go to. Okay. So if you're living in the London area, you, it's more than likely you would go to St Joseph's, which is in Hackney. Right. But obviously in this area where we are, in Romford, yeah, in Raynham, yeah, yeah. it's St Francis Hospice. Where's that line? Where's it? Is that sort of, where, where, where would Newham be? Like, Newham is, is, is not St Francis Hospice okay. area because we go right up as far as kind of Barking okay. yeah, and then yeah. in the re into the Redbridge area as well, yeah. so Ilford yeah. and Woodford Green. Okay. And yeah, then it then kind of the boundary comes around, around there. Yeah. yeah so it's it, it is a vast area. Mm -hmm. um, and, and many people typically come through the hospice. Oh, yeah. Thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what we didn't really get onto as yet, Chris, is the fact that the hospice itself has a 22-bed inpatient unit, but okay. funding-wise, we operate on 18 beds. Okay. What that means is that with the money that the charity have, we have the staff for 18 beds. Yeah, yeah. The majority of our work takes place inside people's homes, okay. which a lot of people don't realise. No, now, yeah. that does come down to patient choice. Yeah. A lot of the times, if a patient is deteriorating, chooses to be looked after in the comfort of their own home with their loved ones around them, we make that possible at the hospice. We have a hospice at home team. Okay. It's the same level of care that you get at the hospice, but yeah. you get it in your own home. And Interesting. you can imagine with the vast area that we're covering yeah. and only 18 beds, yeah. we wouldn't be seeing too many patients. And that's Very why sure. the hospice at home team is essential. How big is the hospice at home team in terms of number? It's, it's a lot smaller than you would think, okay. but the, the amount of work they do yeah. is insane. Super busy, right? It's insane. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, 
you know, the hospice itself is a 24 hours a day, seven yeah. days a week, 365 days a yeah. year organisation. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So... And you spoke to, me, spoke to me a little bit about how you originally got involved. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about why you decided to stay. Because as you said... Yes. As you said, hospice fundraising can be quite a transient people move yes. quite quickly. Yes. So you're, you're around for eight years and there's got to be a reason for that, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't come from a sales background, yeah. Chris, not at all. As I said to you, I was a printer. But if you're going to sell something, you've got a 110% believe in your product. Yeah. And I see almost on a daily basis the incredible work that St Francis mm. Hospice do. It takes no motivation whatsoever yeah. Yeah. to get out there and try and help this community. Yeah. Because... The interesting thing is that every service that we provide to patients and patients' families is free of charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at a time that's very, very turbulent to individuals and to families, the hospice can be the best friend that you never knew you had. Mm. Um, and it's an incredible amount of care, specialist end-of-life care. Yeah, yeah. But also when people are on their journey and they need support, there is... Um, day service there so we class those as our outpatients those that are not actually in but they come in okay. and they have access to the clinical team okay. physiotherapy creative therapy lots and lots of things while they're still very much in the living yeah. and living their lives to the full it's interesting isn't it because i think a lot of conversations that i've had about hospice is the assumption that it's about end of life as yes. opposed to making the most of the life that somebody's got left. Because that's what it's about, isn't it? Um, well, our cool. slogan, Chris, is yeah. living with dignity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and this is what we do. We, we, we add days to people's lives yeah. Yeah. Um, and to the very best. And you would be, you know, we're only chatting for so long. I've got stories that will go long into the night yeah, yeah, yeah. of the different people that I've met along my, yeah. my journey. Um, and you say about what keeps me going, um, I've done lots of aspects of fundraising. Over those years, yeah. you know, originally I came as an ambassador, yeah. and that meant going out into the community, literally knocking on doors okay. and talking to people about the work of the hospice and trying to gain regular support. Yeah. That's how I began. So that's regular direct That's exactly what yeah, it is, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the hospice has a, has a few ways in which you can do that. We have a sponsor and nurse appeal. Yeah. Yeah. We also have a weekly lottery, okay. which is ex extremely beneficial to the hospice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are other things that people can do as a way of regular giving. That's how I began. Okay. But then, uh, because again of my DJ background, yeah. uh, a lot of the time there, there is an events team at the hospice. So a lot of the time they would come to me and say, do you think there's any possibility you could provide the music for this or for that? Gotcha. And gotcha. again, the list is endless. We've yeah. done summer picnics in Rafe's Park. Depending if they want soul, right? Because like, if, if somebody comes up and asks for the macaroni, uh, you've, got to, you've got to say no. I, it? Well, I have a bit of a, I have a bit of an issue with it, Chris. However, I have an issue, but if it's going to raise funds, yeah, I'll do exactly. it. I'll do it. But no, you're right. You but then, the yeah, of course, of course. But I'm now. My role now is a community fundraiser. So, anybody that's listening to this, when you go around in shopping centres, supermarkets, banks. I'm literally everywhere. You yeah. could describe to your listeners who can't see what I'm dressed in right now. Super orange. Right. So, so. We're very branded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the hospice is very visual. Yeah. We like to 
raise awareness yeah, and yeah. we like to raise our profile yeah, yeah. so yes as a community fundraiser I'm always out there yeah. um, and lots of people who have been touched by the hospice like to yeah. give something back I think I think you know interesting a lot of a lot of uh, the local community have used the hospice. I've had loads of conversations with people who have had direct personal experience of people who have been careful about it. Chris, I don't want to bore you with statistics because that doesn't help anybody, but yeah. the hospice touches one in three people. Okay. Whether that's your friend, your relative, your neighbour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's how it becomes one in three. So, so you're right, we haven't got time for every story, but tell me one tell you one one story um, I'll go back to a really unique one I was working at the Mercury Mall in Romford okay. we've been their chosen charity for three years okay. or maybe even more than that now tremendous support of the hospice and what they do is they provide us a platform Chris so we might go in with just a podium or we might go in with a table of merchandise yeah. and we set up yeah. and local people will come up and talk they'll buy something a pen, a torch, a key ring. Yeah. It all raises money. But it's conversations that take place and it's raising awareness. But one day, a lady came up to me and she said to me, young man, she said, do you know I was the first person to ever marry at the hospice itself? Okay. And I was kind of taken back by this because I know we have a chapel there. Yeah. And I knew, obviously... Um, things like that are possible, but I didn't know. Yeah. So I said to her, can you do tell? You know, tell me what's going on. And she said, what it was, myself and my husband now were planning our wedding, and he was having his brother as his best man, and everything was on course. And then all of a sudden, his brother got very sick, and it was very rapid. And she said, it, it became very obvious that his brother probably wasn't going to make the original date that they had set. Right. So they approached the hospice and they said, is there anything that we can do about this? And I'm really proud, proud and pleased to tell you that a registrar was brought in yeah, yeah. and they used the chapel itself. And the brother, who was very sick, played his part in that wedding. Amazing, love it. Truly incredible. Yeah. And you can read about that on the website. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just because... That's a memory for that couple for life. Absolutely. And she was telling me that they come back every year yeah. on their wedding anniversary yeah. to both make a donation and to touch base of the, of the memories that they yeah. shared with their... You know, and she was, she was happy. She was very happy when she was telling me this story. She said it, it meant so much to us that the brother was able to take part yeah. in the day. Yeah. Um, that's one of the very special and unique things and the hospice do. As, it say, as you say, it goes back to that ethos of even if the time you've got on the earth is short, let's make the most of it. Absolutely. Let's, let's those memories. So I love that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Appreciate that. Um, I, I know you haven't been involved in other hospices, but what do you think makes St. Francis so special? What I'll do there, Chris, is I'll call on a personal experience, okay? Um, sometimes I find this difficult to talk about, but I lost my own mum coming up six years ago. Okay. Now, my mum didn't have a life-limiting illness. Uh, she had just reached old age. She was almost 84 years of age. But towards the end, her breathing became very, very difficult. Okay. We're very lucky as a family that she only went into hospital the last three days of her life. So in the grand scheme of things, we were very lucky. Yeah. And I 
have no blame at any of the nurses or the clinical teams that work inside hospitals because they work so hard. Yeah, yeah. But my experience was that when my mother's breathing was becoming quite difficult, you push a, you push a buzzer, yeah, yeah, yeah. but nobody comes. Gotcha. And when you're getting distressed, you go looking for people and you won't find anybody. Gotcha. And I promise you, Chris, at the hospice, that would never happen yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's very almost one-to-one care. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's how I can sum it up. Yeah. I go through personal experience, what I went through, yeah. distress and panic without blame, yeah, yeah, yeah. but seeing the immense care mm. that the hospice provide. And I've done both. I've been somebody that's been a friend of someone that was having the care both at home and then came into the hospice and I never visited, okay? okay? But I've also had a relative on the wards for five weeks. And for all those years as a fundraiser, I saw it from the other side. Yeah, 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 yeah. So? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I suppose, I suppose there's a, there's a, potential for getting involved in a bit of a political conversation which I don't want to do but hospitals certainly aren't designed to provide that they are getting better they are getting better but it's one of those things what makes a hospice so unique or, or to break it down is that we do get a third of the support that we need from the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In turn, that means two thirds have to be raised. That's still how much? I mean, that's Twenty-one thousand pounds a day, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it. That's the challenge. Yeah, yeah. So, but what that means? Let's look at it another way. If 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 the government were funding hospices more so, they may become more NHS orientated. Yeah, the hospice wouldn't be the unique place that it is. Yeah, yeah. That's just well, my understanding. Yeah, it's so not. You've got some autonomy to yeah. deliver care over and above. Yeah. What yeah. Does Incredible care. Yeah, that's really, it's really interesting. So, talk to me about the sort of stuff you do in the community. Apart from the sort of in the shopping centres and the bucket waving and the knocking on doors, talk to me about. I want to know about the events. Okay. I want to know about okay. the events. Okay. We can do it two ways, really, because. St Francis Hospice itself runs events throughout the year. Okay. So uh, coming up in March, just off the top of my head, we have the Big Orange Quiz, which is taking place. Which I'm getting involved with. Great stuff. Fantastic. There's a a local law firm called M Bar. Yes. Who's invited me along to... I tell you now, Chris, because of my time at the hospice, I've met many people. F Barnes are huge supporters of the hospice. Fantastic guys. So obviously we're always very grateful to everybody. But yeah, so... The Orange Quiz comes up in March, yeah. that's a big thing. You know, we do the Santathon every year, which leaves from Dagnum Rebridge Football Club. And you're talking about the crazy people of Dagnum putting on Father Christmas outfits and running around the streets and raising money for the I, hospice. I, I, I weirdly, I've been there today because every six months I give blood. Right. I've been, I've been at Dagnum Rebridge giving blood. And we, you know what's weird? I've lived in Raynham, I've lived in Elm Park for. 13 years, it's the first time I've been to Crazy. Yeah, I know. Crazy. I, 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 I sort of go to the spiritual home of Upton Park and then... Uh, oh, I didn't know that. We've got that in common then. <laughs> what do you think of the new stadium? I, I actually... Haters going to hate. I love the new stadium. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Um, I'm now in the... I'm in the Billy Bond stand. It's only oh, been that for a yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I moved when we... You know, oh, when that, we was, moved. that was awesome. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but I, I, I... My seat... 
is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. fantastic. And and the, the, this is the first season since we've been at the stadium where the football's been much better. Yeah, we're not involved in a relegation dogfight yeah, this year. Yeah. We're playing some good stuff. Good, good, so, good do you know what? We can bring that back to the hospice as well, yeah, okay? Yeah. Because maybe you do or maybe you don't know this. The West Ham Foundation choose around seven charities I didn't, I didn't a year to yeah, partner yeah. up with. And we are one of their partners yeah, this year. Yeah. So much so that the Liverpool game recently at the London Stadium was our game. Gotcha. So we could do bucket collection. Yeah. And I was asked, as well as a doctor, to go pitch side and do an interview, which went out 30 minutes before kickoff, I live. Love it, live. So people who are doing awesome stuff across the world but because uh, we're because we're east london at heart <laughs> we uh, we interviewed east end community foundation there right. tracy walsh is vmd there um and they're one of their west end shows and charities as well right. so yeah we know we know a lot about that but yeah, yeah i am um, i i i like the new stadium because i was super excited when the olympics came sure. and, and and it was just I, I, I get the arguments about the football not being as good and stuff like that. And being too far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I can put my hand on my heart and say that when I came through the turnstiles and I walked up the steps yeah. to see it for the first time, I was very, very emotional. Inside, very much to yeah. see that was our new home. Yeah, yeah. And how they changed it from the Olympics to the claret and blue, yeah, yeah. it felt fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But then of course we all had aspirations we'll be in a Champions League next yeah. season. Yeah. It doesn't you can't change the team, I remember no. <laughs> no. But we were talking about events anyway, Chris, yeah. and I was saying that you can do the big quiz and you can do yeah. the Santathon, etc. Yeah. Um, but also there's what we class as third party events, and that's usually where a family have come through the services in one way, they've lost their loved one, and then they want to do something. So it might be that they'll do a charity ball, or it might be that they'll do an annual football match, and what they do is year on, year out, they keep doing more and more and more, they raise more all the time, and this is the life of a fundraiser, Uh, Chris. What happens is, is that I'll get an email or I'll get a phone call to say there's a family and their loved one passed seven years ago and they do this annual football match but actually we need you to go along and present trophies and say a few words and I love my job so I'll go along and do that and then I do that and I present the trophies and I speak with the family and all the guys that have taken a year later I'm playing in that football match this is what happens so I, I get to the stage and I work closely with those families and I see how all the years later Mm. what the hospice still means to them what their support means to us so that was the interview with Andy what do you think of Andy? he's a very decent guy and next week we'll be um, we'll be finishing off the interview do you really need to shout? I mean genuinely Genuinely, do you need to shout that? I need to shout it so loud they can hear me on the other side of the conference. We're not at a conference. Continent. A continent. Okay, what continent? This one. What, Europe? No. What continent then? Are we still part of Europe? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're we're part of the continent of Europe. I think. I thought we were a little continent. No! (laughs) 
No, we're not our own little continent. That's that's what caused all this political shenanigans. People going, oh, oh, we're our own little continent. Um, right. Regardless of us exiting the European Union, which clearly we're we're going to do now, um, at some point. I was expecting to be sorted by the time we got. Well, back. you know what? I'm I'm a bit gutted actually. We're, both of us, when we got on the plane, said. I bet they'd sort Brexit out by the time yeah, we get back from Japan. Yeah, yeah, no, no, guys, still not sorted. Can you please sort Brexit out while so we? Get onto it. Yeah, just, just, just get onto it. Just get onto it. Anyway, talking of Brexit and talking of um, the uh, what we do at the end of every show, we always do last week's question of the podcast this week and last week's question of the podcast was what is the greatest double act of all time and the first answer we got was from our friend and yours mr sam Wybrow, who said theresa may and jeremy corbyn well he, he literally just put may and corbyn may and corbyn uh Greg Kingston thinks gin and tonic is the best double act of all time. Um, and then he went really deep and said, joking aside, could I be a little bit sentimental and a little left field? My best personal double act is my mum and dad. No. I really like that. Uh, Sam Whitebrow loves this question because he's also come back and gone, the two Ronnies. My cousin Louise, who we love, said Lauren Hardy. Edward Canajara said Messi and Suarez. Ian McIver said, it'll be something from the 70s, Dave Allen and his whiskey glass. Don't get that reference. No. Could you, well, I was born in the late 70s, so I don't expect you to get it. Charlie Goodman said Mitchell and Webb. Um, Stuart Hairsnape went for May and Corbyn. Uh, Graham Winterbone went for Malcolm and Wise. A lot of these you don't even know, do you? I've heard of them. Steve, Charlotte, you know this is? Steve from the gym. This is Steve from the gym. Who's getting involved with the podcast. And he said, Mandy, who's the personal trainer at my gin. Gin, gin, gym. Not gin, I don't drink gin when I'm at the gym. Mandy, all right, all right. Maybe I have one or two jeans every now and again. Mandy and burpees. She loves a burpee, does Mandy. Uh, Robbie White, friend of the show and uh, grand to you, a mother-in-law to me, said the two Ronnies. Dave Forsyth said, tough one, two Ronnies or Malcolm and Wise. Um, David Dennison, who um, is runs a library in our local area, um, said, Chris Ames... And Jeffrey Archer. <laughs> now, if I haven't told the Jeffrey Archer story yet, um, uh, I will do in a future podcast, but not today. Um, John Cook said, Cotty and McAvenny, that's a West Ham one. Alan Bowley said, Alan and Dave Bowley, bit self referential there, Al. Um, uh, Glenn May said, Lauren Hardy. Uh, Kath Key, oh no, she's gone. She's gone. She's gone and done it. She's picked a, the only way is Essex reference, <laughs> reference, and said Arjun Gemma. <laughs> Definitely not. Paul Schaefer said Chris Dames and John Cook. <laughs> That's quite a good one. Um, Dames and Cookie. But 
Patrick Floyd said poached egg and avocado and toast. Stu Morrison said fish and chips. Richard Earl, a resident northerner, chips and gravy. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Chips Ma- and curry sauce. Chi- chips and curry sauce is amazing. Mark Smith said he's got three. A bit greedy, Mark, but we'll let you have it. Lennon and McCartney, Sheridan and Cascarino, Anderson and Broad. And Alex Riley's kept on the sporting theme and gone Bird, Camp and Henry. Watson and Holmes. Watson and Holmes is a good one, an amazing one. Uh, And I like like this one, Uh, and Alex Riley, but I think people liked this because they came in with two, three, four answers. Alex Riley's come back and said, the best double act of all time might be... Barack and Michelle Obama. Have you seen the carpool karaoke with Michelle Obama when they're driving through the White House? I love it. Uh, and um, they talk, they, Michelle goes, my husband's in there. In they, well, he better be, because that's where he told me he'd be. I'm just going to go... I hope he is. Well, I wish he was now, to be honest. Um, now, now, Alex has suggested, made a bit of a suggestion, if potentially we could get Michelle and Barack Obama on the podcast because they probably know a decent amount about kindness yeah they probably know a decent about amount about what it takes if we could get them on the podcast though yeah um Russell our esteemed editor has worked wonders in the past yes so maybe getting Michelle and Barack Obama on the podcast has got to be our our driver. Um, hashtag Barack and Michelle on the Kindness Project. Um, uh, Rachel Vahey is gin and tonic. Now, potentially, if we don't get Michelle and Barack Obama, I might bring gin and tonic onto the next Kindness Project. That might be a bit more achievable. How would, how would you... I'll just be down in one while I'm doing the podcast. Um, uh, Lloyd, as as get my hot chocolate. Lloyd Johnson said, May and Corbin. Heidi Bull said, You and John when you've had a few beers. Simon Lander again said, Very May good. and Corbin. Uh, and there's a new one, um, uh, and I can't read who it's from at the minute, but Abbott and Costello, Jagger and Richard, uh, Bob and Bing, that's from Andy Boyd. Uh, John Lapin said, Burke and Hare. Um, London Money, uh, Martin from London Money has just put a photo of Terry Cruz's topless. Um, so I don't know, is it Terry Cruz? Um, Terry Cruz taking his top off. And Patrick, Terry Cruz? I don't know. It is Terry Cruz. Patrick Long said, Me and you. High five. Have some of that. Also, Pigs and Blankets, Pigs and Bacon, and Daft Punk. They're all really good suggestions. London Money, uh, Simon Week said Sheeran Sheeranham. Noel Watson said Rogers and Edwards. And David Owen said Reeves and Mortimer. So a pretty broad, pretty wide, pretty good selection of double acts. Political musical, but and also com- c- comedy. Now, my favourite on that list is definitely sausages and bacon as pigs in blankets. That that it would definitely be my favourite. What was your favourite? I don't know. Me and you. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Are you losing interest? <laughs> keep you got to keep the energy up all the way to the end. We are. Right. We are. We are. <laughs> we are definitely done before Charlotte has a little snooze. Um, 
We'll see you next week, my friends. Bye.